Our reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 to 25, found on page 968 of the Church Bibles. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were, were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralysed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great, please keep the passage open in front of you, page uh, 968, if you've closed it, but uh, please keep it open, just to let you know. So this Sunday is the last Sunday in uh, Matthew's Gospel. Next Sunday, uh, John Newell is going to be preaching for us on the book of Jude, which I'm looking forward to. And then after that, we get into Romans in our sermon series after the first of the Lent courses. So that's where we're heading in the next few weeks. Let me pray for us as we come to God's Word. Father, we pray you would teach us, help us to be ready to listen and to obey you. Amen. Jesus says to two sets of brothers, follow me. To be a Christian is, someone, is to be someone who follows Jesus. But what does that actually involve? What difference does it make to us whether we are a follower of Jesus or not? That's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. And we're going to focus particularly on, well, verses 18 to 22, that call of Jesus. Because it's easy for us to lose the radical nature of following Jesus. There's an old children's song, Christian children's song, it's an adventure following Jesus. But we can really at times wonder, is that really the case? Is it really an adventure? Following Jesus can be thought of as being, well, comfortable, easy. It can at times feel as adventurous as sitting on a sofa with a mug of hot chocolate. So let's look at this passage in Matthew and ask, what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? And can I especially ask that those who've been Christians for some time make sure that you are listening to this? 
because this may well be a very familiar passage. You may have heard it many times before. You may have heard it or read it before. You may have even taught it yourself to others. Maybe you've taught it on Holiday Club years ago. But we need to ask whether we have slipped from this radical calling. I know I needed this, this last week, to look at this and be confronted by it. Sometimes it's those familiar passages that we need to be making sure that we are genuinely listening to them because we can just skim over them, can't we? And think, well, I know what this is about. So, we're going to think about three things about what it means to follow Jesus. And they come from this call of Jesus to these fishermen. And the first is, leave. Don't leave. But it is, leave. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. He comes across two pairs of brothers. First of all, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, and then James and John. And there's a similarity to what happens in both cases. Jesus calls them to follow him. And they immediately leave things behind in order to follow Jesus. It's pretty clear from the passage, isn't it? You don't need a theology degree to spot those things. So let's focus on that leaving. Matthew didn't have to include what they left behind. It would have made perfect sense, even if he hadn't, if he'd said, uh, Jesus said, follow me, and they just followed him. But Matthew includes the fact that they left certain things behind. Both sets of brothers are fishermen. Simon and Andrew are casting their nets into the lake, we're told. And verse 20, it says, At once they left their nets and followed him. James and John were, likewise, fishermen, uh, and are in their boats preparing their nets. Presumably the, the boat has been brought up onto the shore. Maybe they've been fishing for some time, and they are now mending their nets in the boat, and they are with their father. And verse 22 says, immediately, after Jesus has called them to follow him, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now these disciples knew that this call to follow Jesus was not simply a case of following him for a few moments. Clearly, if after this service uh, I come up to you over coffee and I say, follow me, you probably will think... Well, that's slightly odd, but you might also think, well, Bart probably just wants to show me something. I don't think I've signed my life away to following him wherever he goes, if I follow him. But clearly these disciples thought that is exactly what this is about. This is a bigger thing than just follow me, I want to show you something. In those days, a rabbi, that is a Jewish teacher, would have disciples who would follow him wherever he went, to hear his teaching, observe his way of life. And Jesus is calling these fishermen to do that. Now, rabbis wouldn't normally summon people to follow him, but Jesus does. And that is the following they would have had in mind. It is a following to go where Jesus goes, listen to him, observe him, learn from him. And that meant leaving things behind. To leave behind their livelihoods as fishermen. To leave behind family in order literally to follow Jesus wherever he went. 
And what they left behind was, of course, more than just nets and boats and a father. What were they leaving behind? They're leaving behind their loved ones as they go wherever Jesus goes. They left behind predictability. Every day, what would they have done? Well, they were fishermen. They would have gone fishing, apart from on the Sabbath. That's what they knew. That's what they were good at. But they left it behind. They left behind security. They knew where their next meal was coming from. Literally, they knew where their next meal was coming from. The lake. But they left that behind. They left behind, well, I don't think it was comfort and ease. I don't think their lifestyle would have been an easy life being a fisherman. It was probably a hard life. But in one sense, it was comfortable. It was familiar. And they left behind all they had worked for. Possibly all that their fathers and grandfathers had worked for. Leaving it behind for a life of unpredictability, risk and suffering. And for them, that risk was real. John Piper, in his very helpful book, Risk is Right, and I would encourage you, if you've not read it, it's well worth reading. It's not a long read. It's actually one chapter out of another book that he wrote. Uh, But I would encourage you to get hold of it. It's called Risk is Right. It's great for, for Christians to read. And in that book, he draws attention at one point to Luke 21, verse 16, which says this, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he said, or to those who might follow him, and he says, you will be betrayed, even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. So he's saying, look, all of you are going to be betrayed. He says elsewhere in that passage, you'll all be hated. But he also says, and John Piper particularly draws attention to the word some in there. He says, and they will put some of you to death. So I'm not going to tell you who. Some of you. In other words, there's a risk here. Some of you will be killed for following Jesus, he says. Some of you won't. There's a risk. Follow Jesus. He called them to follow him, he says, and you'll lose security. The call to follow Jesus was huge. Peter, later in Matthew's Gospel, says to Jesus in Matthew 19, We have left everything to follow you. And we see that, don't we? So what's the call for us today? Is it any less radical? We can't physically follow Jesus wherever he went. So does that mean this leaving behind things is just a call for them then, 2,000 years ago? What about for you and me? Jesus elsewhere says in Matthew 16 this, which I think should come up on the screen. Oh, I didn't change the verse reference at the top of the screen. There you go, it's from Matthew Matthew 16. He says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, themselves, 
take up their cross and follow me. Now listen to that. Jesus is saying, whoever wants to be my disciple, back then, now, anyone, must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Now, it isn't the case that Jesus calls everyone who's going to follow him to give up their jobs, sever all tie with their families. After all, that's not actually what the disciples did. It's not that they never fished again. We know later on that they did fish again. And it's not that they never spoke to their families again. That's not what this is saying. But Jesus is saying, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves that is no longer live for myself with my goals and my dreams I wonder what your goals and dreams in life are at the moment happy family happy children getting married maybe career progression sporting success popularity having meaningful friendships maybe it's health Maybe it's an easy retirement. Jesus says, for any to follow him, it means denying yourself. For those first disciples, choosing to leave behind the nets and the boats meant they had a new top priority, didn't it? It was no longer they who decided what they would be or do, Jesus would. The question was no longer, what do I want in my life? Nor what do others want me to do or be? Nor what do my family want me to do and be? But Jesus, what do you want me to do and be? And if that means not fishing anymore, or not playing sport on a Sunday anymore, or not working on a Sunday morning, or changing the way I speak, or what I watch on TV, that's all okay. If it means changing job or moving house, there is a radical call here to say, yes, Jesus, if you're number one, I will put it all, it's all temporary, it's all losable for you. Jesus called the disciples and they left everything. Now, Christian, I hope you can see why why this is important for us. Can I ask, is this true of you and me still? Or are there things now that we would say, Jesus, you can't call me to lose that. You can't call me to change that. You can have every other area, but not that. Are there areas where actually we've slipped into being boss again? Now, you'll quite rightly ask, how do I know if God wants me to do something radical, to change something big? We'll come back to that in a few moments. But for the moment, just think, this is a call to leave. In other words, to leave behind my dreams, my goals, deny myself and put Jesus first. Leave. Second, follow. The Christian life is never about self-denial for its own sake. C.S. Lewis, 
the famous writer, wrote the Narnia series, said, um, it's not a direct quote, but he said something along the lines of, the New Testament has lots to say about self-denial, but not about self-denial as an end in itself. Which is why I've never been that keen on promoting giving up things for Lent. I wonder if you do it. Sometimes in schools they make a big deal of it. If it's a church school where they go, what are you going to give up for Lent? I wonder if you've done anything this year. Don't worry if you have. But I've never been that keen on promoting that. I've never thought, well, you know, we should necessarily teach that from the front or teach that in Sunday school. After all, what does it seem to say? It just seems to say that there is value just in denying yourself. And it always seems to me that the big thing is chocolate that everyone says they're going to give up. As if somehow that is the Christian life, giving up chocolate. But the Bible doesn't promote self-denial in and of itself. It's always self-denial in order to get something else. And here we see they left their nets and boat and father to follow Jesus. And that's what makes sense of the leaving behind. And it's noticeable in both cases with Peter and uh, Andrew and with James and John that Matthew again emphasises the immediacy of them following Jesus. Both of them they leave and follow Jesus immediately. They don't need to consider the options for long. They don't need to go home and think it over for the weekend. They don't need to go home and and pray about it for a week. No, it's an immediate, yes, I will follow you. I'll give up those things happily so that I can be with you, Jesus. The answer was obvious. Of course it's worth it. Even if I lose everything else, it's worth it. Here is a lived out version of the the parable of the hidden treasure that we have come back to many times before in Matthew 13, 44. It won't come up on the screen. Let me just tell you it. It's one of Jesus' shortest parables. The parable is of a man who finds treasure in a field. Goes around, somehow finds treasure in a field. He then hides it again in the field and in his joy sells everything he has to buy that field. Does it make sense to buy the field? Absolutely. Does it make sense to sell all he has to buy the field? Yes. Why? Because of the treasure in the field. So too for these disciples. The immediacy of dropping everything to follow Jesus shows they know it was a good deal. Leave it all to follow Jesus. Oh yes. As Paul says in Philippians, this one will come up on the screen, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things you see Paul saying it there he's saying look I've lost all things I've lost, I've lost everything but it's worth it because I've got Christ I've got Jesus it was a good deal so what Jesus and Paul are saying is that what you gain 
by following Jesus is worth more than all you leave behind. He is more valuable than remaining as a fisherman, more valuable than career, than sporting achievement, than any pleasure the world can give, more worth having, worth having more even than sex or money or power, worth even more than family. Now, if you're new to Christian things, I hope that makes you want to ask the question, really, is Jesus that good? And the Christian will answer, yes, he really is that good. You might have thought that becoming a Christian was just about what you leave behind. And that therefore Christians must be miserable, dutiful, but depressed. And maybe you've met some Christians like that. But the Christian is not driven by a desire to suffer. The Christian is driven by the greatest delight, which is knowing Jesus. So if you aren't yet a Christian, will you find out more about Jesus? Keep coming to Emmanuel. Come on the next course that we're going to run to explore Christianity, the Christian faith. Actually, the, the last one that we're running, we're supposed to be running Christianity Explored at the moment, we had to delay the start of it. If you want to do it, let me know. You could still join us. But Christian, is this something that is still... Is your greatest joy still Jesus? Or has that slipped? And if so, come back to Jesus afresh. Ask him to reveal more of of his greatness and his glory. So... Leave, follow, and lastly, fish. When Jesus called Peter and Andrew, he said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What Jesus calls his people to do is to go and fish for more people. To go and call more people to come and follow Jesus. To tell more people about the treasure that is Jesus. That they too might come and discover his greatness and his majesty. And this isn't just a call that was for the twelve that that followed Jesus. At the end of Matthew's Gospel is the Great Commission in which Jesus calls his disciples to go and make more disciples. We are all called to be disciple-making disciples. Now, at this point, I would imagine many will be thinking, well, that's not me. I'm not very good at that. I've tried, maybe, in the past to tell others about Jesus, but I'm not very good at it. I couldn't do it. There is encouragement here So the more accurate translation, it says, uh, in verse 19, Jesus says, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Actually, the better translation is, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus is saying, follow me and I'll turn you into that kind of person. I'll turn you into someone who can fish for people. Actually, Jesus is saying he will do that work of making you that person. And we can have maybe one particular model in our mind of what that looks like. That it looks like the kind of person who has 
billions of friends who they can invite to loads of things and all those friends just seem to say yes to things. Basically, Phil Cooper. You can think that you're like it, which is brilliant. Phil has loads of contacts. There's almost no one Phil doesn't know. It's, sorry, I don't mean to highlight you too much, but it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant that there are people like that. Praise God. But we're not all like that. I'm not like that. But we've all got contacts, haven't we? People who we are in contact with. Some it'll be lots of people, but some it's just one or two. And for some of us, it's a case of actually we need then to get to know one or two more people. You know, knock on the next door neighbour's door. Talk to some people. Yeah, we've got to push ourselves to do it, but actually it's what we're to do, isn't it? And actually some people respond better to one kind of personality, some respond better to another. We're all called to do this, but it's not all in one set way. But we all need to take risks in doing it. We are called to be fishers of people. And this is where we come back to the question we raised earlier. We asked, how do I know if I should make some big change? Like change job, or change where I live, or go as a missionary abroad. How do I know if that is what God wants me to do? Do you have to wait for some voice to call you? Do you have to wait until you hear a clear voice saying, go to Papua New Guinea? And then you go, right, now I know. No, that's not the the way it goes. The question we need to ask is, where am I best fishing for people? How am I best doing that? Given the gifts God's given to me, the situation that I'm in, how and where am I best doing this? And maybe it's where you currently are. But maybe it's something different. And yes, we're to pray about it. And we're to ask God about it. And talk to others about it. But actually, it can be a case of just saying, where am I best used by God to fish for people? But all of us are to take risks. Our danger is, I think, that we think that only, it's only missionaries who are to take risks on this. That we think it's only them who take the big risks of going abroad or doing something big like that. We are all called to be fishers of men and therefore we are all to take risks. It may be where you currently are and therefore we need to ask, who do I need to talk to about Jesus? Who do I need to start to get to know? Maybe not talking to them about Jesus in the first conversation, but who should I start to get to know? Is there something, that risk you need to take at work maybe? Or with your friends or with family to say, actually maybe we could run a Christianity Explored group with, just with my neighbours. Could I invite them to something? Some people here have done that already. Could you do that? Or is there something else, some risk that you could take where you are? Or maybe there's a risk that you need to take which is bigger than that, where you say, yes, actually, I think maybe I should explore going elsewhere, living elsewhere, doing something bigger. People have gone from this church before in the past. It'd be great if many more did to go elsewhere in order to take the gospel to people who don't yet know it. 
And what about us as a church? What risks are we prepared to take to be faithful to Jesus in following him and seeking to catch people for Jesus? When Jesus called the first disciples, it was a radical call. He did not say, just stay where you are, or look after yourself, or have a comfortable life. He called them to leave, to follow, and to fish. It was a radical call then, and for us, it is a radical call again. How will we respond? I'm going to give you a few moments just of quiet, just to think how maybe the Lord is calling you to respond to this. And then I'll lead us in prayer. What is it that God's laid on your heart to do now? Maybe it's to explore Jesus, find out more about him. Maybe it's to take some risk, to follow him and fish for people. Can I ask you, don't now just leave that thing and forget about it over coffee and as you go home. But to actually think, right, this is what I'm going to do about it. Let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this radical call of Jesus. Father, for those here who don't yet follow Jesus, please would you help them to see his greatness and his glory and to see it is worth leaving behind everything, if necessary, in order to follow Jesus. And for those of us who do follow Jesus, Father, it is a daunting call. We know that we are prone to love comfort and stability and ease. But Father, shake us out of that. That we would know Jesus better and be obedient to him in looking to fish for people. Amen.